Promise No Promises Feminism Under Corona Episode 4 Survival Acts in Motion The podcast Promise No Promises now continues with a special Feminism Under Corona chapter. Over the next few months, 10 new episodes arise from conversations between curator and writer Sonia Fernandez-Pan and guests from different artistic disciplines and areas of research and life practice. This series of personal conversations is an attempt to point out different directions, feelings, expectations, sequels and individual stories in times of the current crisis provoked by COVID-19. It is also a tool for a collectively inhabited feminism when not only gender, class and race imbalances are reinforced, but are even becoming more visible in the current situation. I met Anna Gathon Sabugal personally in Bogota in December 2019. As a member of Math Arte, Math Acción, together with Alejandra Rojas Giraldo, they organized a feminist program of cultural activities of which I had the opportunity to be part of. At that time, in Colombia, the Paro Nacional was taking place with massive civil society demonstrations against the economic, social and environmental policies of the current government and presidency, as well as the violence against social movements with the assassination of their leaders and the various cases of corruption within the government. The current global crisis provoked by COVID-19 has produced a certain fiction of a before and after within our perception of reality. While it is true that a few months ago COVID-19 was not affecting our everyday lives, it is also true that the before is actually part of the after. The consequences, effects, impact and strategies for fighting and surviving the pandemic are not the same in all places nor in all communities or their individuals. This does not account for the different situations either. You have to live them and inhabit them. I invited Anna to have a conversation for this podcast series in May 2020. She would respond days later with a long email telling me about her personal situation regarding the pandemic in Colombia. Her sudden decision to move from Bogota to Ibagué, a smaller city further south in the country. This decision was an act of survival, produced by the urgency, but also motivated by the desire to care. To care for herself and for others close to her. It was also a moment of reflection on the rules following the pandemic and the lockdown. As she told me in her email, in her journey it became clear who is able to sustain the quarantine, who can do it on their own, and who cannot. During our conversation in the middle of July, we recovered again the personal situation to reach out for many other places. Among them, Choco, an area of the Colombian Pacific, Anna and Alejandra are in continuous contact with thanks to their work with the communities and people who live there through the art project platform Mas Arte, Mas Acción. Feminism was also very present, stemming from the critical conscious and from the understanding of feminist practices according to the material conditions of each context, of each community and of each person. Because feminism as a general formula and without taking into account the differences and inequalities of lives and social contexts also falls into danger of becoming a tool of oppression. What means freedom for some individuals, 
may not be freedom for others. What works in one life does not necessarily work in another as well. The political question of language was also very present during our conversation. Not only because it was the first time that we both spoke in English instead of Spanish with each other, but because of the enormous need to learn, to know, to listen to and share other voices during this pandemic and beyond. This is a work that Anna has done with people from the different collectives she is part of. Translating texts into English and not from English in order to be able to share with peers and people from other cultural contexts the current thinking and making that are happening now in Colombia. If conversations could be translated into objects, perhaps this encounter with Anna could be a toolbox full of acts of survival in constant motion. I can talk from my personal experience that has been quite strange in the different moments of the quarantine. Or When the things start to sound, like in Europe is happening this, and I was preparing the program of Mas Arte Mas Acción with Aleja, and we did a beautiful schedule for the program of the year, super strict, because Aleja is studying the master degree, like all the activities, how to match, how to be together because we like to work together and attend to the things that are not to divide us. Like, oh, you take this project and no, we try to do it together. We invite this year artists from Switzerland to work in the Rio Atrato, that is a river in the capital of Chocó. And that is the place where I work and where I have all my mind in the daily life. All the thinking are based on what we do in Chocó. So they start to say, ah, we have to see if we probably can go to Colombia because this and that. And then I was like, but these people are not going to come because they are sick. I, I was like really thinking that was not something big. But suddenly in 10 days, it becomes like the global thing and the deaths and all this information that start to came from media. And Aleja was like, Anna, we have to consider that the people is not going to come. I was like, but this is so irresponsible with the project. I was like really not understanding the level. And suddenly in one week, we, we start the pilot of the quarantine and then we never left the pilot. We still in lockdown. <laughs> I was super against to change what we was thinking for the year. And then started people to say, like, the things are going to change. The things are going to be totally different. Really, this is a turning point. No, we have been fighting against extractivism, for human rights, for basic needs. And then suddenly we, as a social movement, activism. We didn't, the turning point was this. No, I was not thinking that. So like a human-centered thinker, like why we didn't change. Also, I went home and I started to feel the inside of my body and also I was sick. You were here in Bogota when I born out in December. Like working, working so much in the cultural field. I didn't understand what was happening with my body. Internally, I 
enjoy the time of being in home and during those days I was like we really would like to work from home being in home working from home and suddenly we still are in home working <laughs> in that way I think the digital and the virtuality I'm not totally against actually I come from kind of hacking affinity so I was part of a feminist hacker space in 2012 and from there I'm super into computers, cacharreo that we sell. I was kind of prepared for this life but also my life is very rooted now in Chocó so the impossibility to go there put me. What is going to be my work if I cannot do the things that I do in personal level, in physical level? Then I was this project manager in way of thinking and I realized, okay, I have this kind of stability with Masarte Mas Acción, I have a salary that is not something that in the cultural scene in Colombia the people can afford. I'm super privileged in the scales of different privileges that we can talk. I've been inside of a cultural institution that has salaries. This is a privilege, really. In Colombia, I don't know the world, I think, also, but we don't have the support of the government or something like that. For me, it was like a, we have kind of a stability, the team, this year until December, and the decision was to continue to receiving our salaries, to continue doing the work in the way that we can. I was super scared of what kind of news I will have if I remain in my current life at that moment, in Bogota, living in a very nice neighborhood, in the middle of the downtown, but also isolated with a forest, with a lot of silence, the perfect life. Actually, the people close to me say, it seems like you live in France when you go to this neighborhood. It's super crazy because it's in the middle of the chaos of Bogota, but suddenly these five streets are like a kind of oasis in the middle of the city. I found a very cheap place there. I take it without thinking. <laughs> but even that is cheap, the life in Bogota is super expensive. And I start to say, okay, if I'm the only one or closest to my friends and relatives that have kind of stability, I need to take advantage of this and to put the money where it's needed and not to pay in rent. I quickly start to think I have to move from here. I have to go to Ibagué. I bought an apartment in a social housing project here and they give me the project last year but it's how we said obra gris, great, they didn't make the details. So I was not worried because it's not so expensive to pay. This is my only sustainable relation that is with the bank <laughs> because now I have a loan of 15 years, <laughs> a very small one but it's like the most stable relation I have. It's super sad to say that it's with the bank. For me, it was like, I'm paying this. I have this house. The life in Ibagué is super cheap related to Bogota. There are like journals that said that Bogota has kind of costs like New York sometimes. I have seen reviews. We pay taxes as we were in Europe or something like that. It's very expensive city related to the other places in Colombia. I call my brother that is studying in the United States. I get super scary because the official lockdown from the Colombian government put in Twitter, in the social media, like banners saying like that day is going to start the lockdown, like uh, announcing the thing. Airports are going to be closed. I didn't have any plan to see my brother, but as soon as 
I saw the announcement, I said, when are they going to open again? When I'm going to come back to see my brother, I was super scared. He's doing a graduate school, so I called him to say, our parents doesn't have any way of receiving money because they are also daily life workers, kind of. If they are in home, they cannot work. They don't receive any income. So I say, okay, you assume the responsibility of my father. I assume the responsibility of my mother. I'm going to move to Ibagué. I'm going to keep some money. I'm going to organize my apartment to move there to like a very project manager response very quickly. I call Juanita, the landlord of the apartment. I'm in this situation, I have to give you the apartment. I will find someone, social media people who is interested quickly. I did this in like 15 days. I pack everything in boxes. Also was a moment of detachment of my things because I say I have to be very flow. So I sell things to the woman that came to live totally locked down. All the borders of the cities are closed. There is no permission to move. The only people that can move is the people that works in the health system and in supply food change. That's the only people permit to go out at the moment. Okay, what I can do? I call my father that is a very resourceful guy. I say, I need to move. I need to move now. What I can do, I was thinking, I, I said to him my crazy ideas because he never believes that they are crazy. He thinks we need to find a way to do it in that term. So I said, I'm thinking to move to Ibagué, but there is no possibility to move. I was thinking to do it in a food truck. He always have a friend, no? And he was like, I have a friend that is bringing food from Armenia city that is more in the south. I has to cross from the place that I wanted to move. We found a guy that is bringing food to Bogota and then he never answered the day that I was prepared to leave and then he sent me another phone. I called in the middle of the night to this guy, to the driver, saying I have to move my things and he was like, if the police took us, it's going to be a nightmare. They are going to take out the car. He came at 5 a.m., put everything, it was like a stolen thing. Because if the police come and we are doing this, there is no permission for that. So it was super quick, actually. That was the kind of solidarity moment in which two neighbors at 5 a.m. go out and say, what are you doing? I'm, I'm leaving. Why are you leaving like that? Because I need to go out. It's like a survival tactic. This is something I have to do now because I don't know how it's going to be the future and I want it to be like kind of tranquility in that way. That's why maybe my friend from Cali, Erika Flores, said that we were like a working at any cost about normality because I wanted to be in a normal way trying to live this moment. You know, being so rushing in money or alone as well because I live so alone in Bogotá, trying to find like comfort zone. These guys came to help me, so we moved the things super quick, like in 15 minutes everything was in the food truck. But then I had to see the way in which I could hide my stuff and he has to bring also food. So I went with him to the main market where all the food from Colombia goes there and then is distributed in also other cities and in the city, inside of the different market. This is like a very big place where all the food come and he start to bring all the things that he has to live in the different places that we were crossing before to come to Ibagué. 
actually something that was super scary that I can talk to more about that later is the gender regulation of the days to go out. It was super crazy. Because of those kind of things, I said, no, Bogota can be more controlled by the police than other places. And I don't want to have that kind of experience because I'm super scared about police. I grew up with that. It's like a visceral scare, some fear. I was in the truck with the guy, and then I started to see that in the south of Bogota, that is where poor neighborhoods are, there was no regulation, no one was taking care that the people was in home. It was really sad to see that the privilege of those that can stay in home and the others, nobody cares if like the Hunger Games. It was super sad to see that there was no regulation, but also was kind of joy, okay, we are in this but we also have to survive. We have also a life that we have to deal with that. And I was totally into this bubble. It's good to take this decision because being working in a art field also can put you in a very specific place that you don't realize that what is happening actually outside of the art district to say. These places like Chapinero, this kind of neighborhoods where are all the galleries, the cultural spaces, the art district. In the cultural field, we always remain in the same areas, like we bike in close places. I went there to the market with this guy, keeping all the things that he wanted to sell in the other towns. And then I was super excited, happy, like going into a, I don't know, adventure, reminding that the empty streets that was like a very crazy thing to see Bogota that is always into traffic jams seeing this kind of Bogota was like well it's not so bad actually (laughs) but no being in the reality was very scary also that kind of fiction the government take out all the tolls all the bills that has to pay there for the free movement of food and workers of the health system. So we were passing these places without people. Um, I was in a way like excited, but also like, what kind of reality is this? I'm moving, I'm avoiding like bypassing the lockdowns. I'm doing something that is illegal. And then we were leaving the stops, the food in the different towns. And there was a moment that the police stopped us and it was super, super scary moment. It was in Girardot, in the middle of the journey. The driver said one thing, they asked me other thing. We couldn't say what we were doing, and they realized that I bring my stuff in the truck. I was with them like one hour trying to figure out. I was super scary about what were the consequences of doing this. The police start to say, but why are you so scared? I start to cry. I'm with this guy in front of this guy. He has a gun. He is the authority. He said that I'm doing something bad for the people. Also this consciousness that I'm probably infecting other people. This is the kind of controls we have to do to take care of you. Why are you so scared? And I was like trying to mix all these narratives of who is taking care of who. They are taking care of us. I'm the danger. I'm trying to take care of me and my family by doing this. Very strange idea, but also my fear about police was like, who is taking care of what? (laughs) Like, no, I cannot believe what you are saying. And suddenly I start to cry and cry and they didn't understand because it was very visceral thing. And he was 
trying to understand my fear. Like, but tell me, why are you like that? You are doing something bad. Okay, we can solve it. But I feel your fear. I feel that is personal. I was like, it is, it is. I couldn't explain. <laughs> what can I do? Like, a statement of how brutal police is do a lecture <laughs> or how I'm building this abolition theory. I just cry, 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 cry to being with all this theory in front of a police and no, could do anything. Like, this is the authority. It was super sad at the moment. I think they get worried about that I have an attack or something like that. So I have to stop in the border of the town. I couldn't enter with the driver to leave potatoes because he has to leave potatoes in that town. I wait with them like one hour. Meanwhile, he was there and then he come back. And then I was like, okay, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. And then the trip becomes a little bit more scary. I was seeing police. I was like, please don't stop us, don't stop us. And we couldn't get our house. Also, in a quick movement, we take out the things. And I came to the house of my auntie. Because of the lockdown, I couldn't do the remodelation of the apartment. So I'm still in a suspension moment. All my things are in boxes. I could organize my life in the way that continue working virtually from here. For sure, I keep a lot of money that now I'm organizing the apartment. And it is super nice that it's happening in this moment because the corona, now we are in the peak in Bogota. It was like a start to flexibilize in this narrative of activating the economy and those things. But now we are in the peak moment, yeah. Probably the lockdown is going to come back like a radically in Bogota is happening. Parallel of this personal journey that is amazing, stressful, nice and those things. I think by staying here I can see how the reality also is in different terms like the daily life here you can go out here in Ibagué is based on your last number of the ID. People go out everywhere, but you cannot enter to the stores. There are someone checking that you are in the day that you can, but you can do like a normal things around. Also, if the police stop you, if you are in the day, that is not your day. But actually it does not happening so much. Police checking, like maybe some tests, but not totally like doing this strictly. In Bogota, in this neighborhood, everyone inside, my friends didn't want to come to have a coffee. I said, like, in your terms, let's do it with two meters of distance, or we have to see each other's eyes. I don't want to have a virtual meeting for someone that lives just two blocks from my home. There was a friend that told me, I don't be so punk, but I'm just proposing to go to the market together the day that you can and I can take advantage of that and, and meet. Let's not hug and those things, but the people was super feared here. Even that there is acknowledging and we are aware of the situation. At least there is like a circle of trust that we can yeah, have a more personal relation during the lockdown.
think the decision of leaving was taking care. It's something that I don't want to feminize, but certainly it was like a very quickly response of how we are going to deal with our parents, who is okay, what friends, calling friends, how are you, what are your economic situation, like everyone moving super quick. We work in Nuki, that is an isolated place. To go there, you need to take an airplane or by boat. There is no road to go there. They quickly decide to close borders and they are in a quarantine without COVID, but in community. So I was like, I need that. That was like a survival tactic. Like I need to be in Iwage. I'm surrounded of kind of community. It's crazy because we go to a more conservative option that was going with my family, with my aunties. It was not like direct my mother or my brother. It was my cousins and my auntie trying to to stay kind of warm place that also provides personal relation and care. And I was thinking of Nuki, the main economy level and productivity is based on tourism. For them has been super difficult to close and to say no one can come, but there is also sovereignty in food. So the people can live because they fish, they have plantain, as my friends say, ah, we have banana and our pescadito, and it's okay. It's not so much, but we are okay. And they are the owners of the land. The development and the progress is a different concept when these situations come. And we, as modern people, depends on all these kind of systems without agency to respond and autonomy. I think by working in Masarte Masaccion, I didn't have any genuine desire, as I told you before, to go out to do tourism. I'm very into home, into the forest streets that I always walk. I'm not like that curious person regarding other places. I'm super interested in music. From there, I have been studying a lot of the national and traditional musics from the Caribe, from the Pacific. So I have kind of sense of what is culture regarding that kind of field, but really not into the issues of the other places. I'm so always being like activists against the mega developer projects. Being in Masarte Masaccion, my personal relation changed totally with the place. It start to change all the conceptual framework in which I live and I believe. For me, being in Chocó is not something regarding this idea that many NGOs go there to work because if you ask me about feminism and ways of addressing local issues and how are the perspectives, I didn't come from an academic feminism, more like a practice thing based on what I'm founded and understanding. And Francia Marquez, that is a very huge activist, a black woman, very strong, that defend the land, defend the environment, defend the black rights. Also called this struggle as the struggle of the common house. It's very nice that her position also invites to do all the mixtures of strategies we have to do. I was reading today a text. There is also a new virtual magazine that she is writing now. and. 
she said something regarding the structural violence and the idea of progress and development that is super inside of all of us. Working there and also to start to see how feminism, how theory, how activism is placed and living and creating by the ways of living as well. Like it's not something that is just this is my struggle that is kind of way of doing in the cities. Like we do activism, we go to this organization, we do this kind of action, but really in Choco is a matter of on what happens in the daily life. And I start to rethink everything, like how theory can work in different levels is something that for me start to become important but also I haven't come from academic perspective I'm industrial engineer and then suddenly I become into this art world so it's very crazy how has been like a double size of learning that is by practicing but also like researching by me by interacting with artists by reading magazines trying to grasp what is the people talking about what is the colonial thing what is post-colonial what is anti-colonial what is privilege what is precarious what is a kind of language that I haven't in my practice as an engineer even as a cultural manager before I was like I'm not racist but then you realize that you all the time are replicating stereotypes you are replicating micro behaviors that you normalize so for me it has been like a everyday thing being in Chocó, but then you realize also that there is a pressure in these territories and understand the geopolitics in Colombia that we have like a diverse geographically position with Pacific, Caribe, indigenous, black population, also all this Spanish heritage we have. It's very difficult to position it into a identity or for me as being a white mixed woman it's very difficult to position it in that and also question a lot what could be solidarity when i go there and i am the person that can go that can move permanently is like questioning no what kind of things are we doing we are inviting all these artists to the region to do these things but then there is no recognition of the cultural practices of the people that live in the place so i have to deal with that, at the beginning I was like fluing in this thing that oh, we are inviting famous activists, famous artists to the platform that is amazing place in Chocó in the middle of the jungle with a biodiversity that can, I don't know, subvert the white cube place also in the visual art scene. But then we are not changing like radically the practice or being inside of that kind of scene. So four or five years ago, working with Aleja, also having like other conversations, also listening to the people, like really there are concrete demands from the people that lives there. One day there was a woman that I, I really love, it's Karina. Karina Angulo is part of an audiovisual collective in Nuki and she said, you are the only ones that live from the projects. We also are beneficiaries. What is the thing when we are going to relate as a peers, as a local cultural producers, you, I, we know that our aesthetics are not like that, but when we are going to create this really a space for sharing and learning together or unlearning or whatever, how the material things come to the place. Let's talk about money. Let's talk about fees, let's talk about authorship, let's talk about those things that never recognize the kind of cultural practice we do here.
There was a conversation during these days with the artists from Switzerland. They are collaborating with collectives in Chocó also as collaborative project. And there was exactly a moment in which Carmenza Rojas, that is a feminist, a black feminist that I love, I respect. I'm in trouble with her all the time, like to say in Donna Haraway's terms. She's like a very critical friend that I love her, but always put me in very strange places when we are discussing things. I remember like, Yeah, you can talk about whatever kind of theory, but we still in colonial times. And we can see that in terms where even in pandemia, destructivism is increasing. The systematic killing of activists and leaders that are defending the land are not in lockdown. Uh, this is like a machine of death. And also Francia said something like the politics of death are there and the disposition of the people that take care of the land, of the environment is Uh, ongoing tax of this right-wing and modernity project. So don't tell us that all these theories, all the ways of talking, we need self-representation. We don't need you give us a voice. We have a voice. For me, it's very difficult of moving into a central office that produces programs for Chocó, what kind of programs we can create together as well, what is the role of Más Arte Más Acción or me moving, having these bridges with international levels when my partners are creating amazing theory, also systematizing all the knowledge they have done, moving in the daily life, activating communities as Marea, as Puerto Creativo, as Corporaloteca, Empuja, all these people that are cultural producers in the local is putting me in a very challenge, but also good position in what we can create together as well in this moment that we have this position. Actually, it's very crazy how the things are coming and how the work that we do is becoming super pertinent what we do now in Chocón. I'm the kind of person questioning what we do, like a lot of self-criticism. <laughs> okay, as soon as I finish the project, it's like, oh no, we did this, we did that, let's do it in another. So all the time, like questioning that. The iteration is the thing that we have the possibility in and the cultural and art field permit us to do that. Also, that's why maybe I get excited and involved into the art scene or this way of doing things because it becomes more like a wave of learning more than producing objects or things that I never feel that in the grassroots movements, more like a left party traditional groups, no? There is no creativity in the grassroots movements. I think there are school of ways of understanding art, ways of understanding theory and ways of activating. As an organizer that has been in activist group, I have seen how also art has a methodology or a way of addressing the things and making sense. Being in Chocó is okay. I have not only all this field, but also a place to apply, a place to interact, a place to practicing with others. For me, one of the most body things that I have learned in Chocó is the rhythm to think with the rhythm of everything. is the sea, there is a phrase that we see, we move with the tide. If you cannot go there because it's super high the tide, you cannot and the people can understand that this is the time. You can move listening everything. Sometimes you have to pause, you, sometimes you have to do it faster. These kind of rhythms that we always go in the cities, like this is the schedule, this is the time. 
rhythm, sovereignty, acknowledging privileges, concrete privilege, but also a very close relation with the sense of the life that now is a way also to live. This is the moment. I always am projecting, working in project manager, looking for funds and those kind of things that the project management imposes. But we work in the very early morning and then we enjoy it. But in the cities, the people always are thinking, when I go old, when I get my pension, when I have the house, I will be resting or having this relaxed moment. No, we do it now. We don't have any more time, it's now. The sense of presence is something that I have learned and also kind of the aquatic viber. We in the cities has this relation with the water just because of the tap and then everything there is water and you feel it. You have to move by boat all the time, then you go to sleep and you feel the bed as a wave and it's all the time this kind of energy moving the life and also like the awareness of the water. We say also we are Colombia is like an amphibio identity. Why don't you play with that? And this is also things that my partners from Chocó is bringing to the table. Let's think other kind of identities because I'm not only a black woman feminist, is what Carmenza said. How you can relate to me in other kind of identities? Let's play with that. And it's very challenging when all the time we are founding this kind of people thinking in that way, activating groups in that way that also help us to fictionalize. Another kind of narrative that is the narrative of the death and the impossibility to go out or maybe I go to many places, but it's just to say that for me it's now vital the relation with Choco. And I think there is like a, a spark there that if we put attention of what is happening there in many levels of the resistance projects, maybe we're going to find a way also in the cities and in other places. The collective way to addressing things is something that I'm super impressed of how this is super normal, natural, and even the conflict that we are living, because pandemia is one thing, but we are in the middle of drug trafficking conflict, all the violence that is structural from our history. You see all these resistant projects parallel to that, appearing, like flourishing. For sure, the death narrative is there because it's needed for maintaining us in kind of block, mental way, but for me, inspiration of why we are not doing this in the cities, why we are not thinking that through music we can do this kind of things, or through talking in collective circles, I don't know, like a lot of things that in the daily life are happening, it can be very easily appropriate for us to think also in our self-representation, because there is this thing that we represent others, but there is also a need to self-representation in the cities, in the urban context, in the middle class. We don't have real tools for do it, or it's just media stereotyping us as well. I think there is a need also of reflecting in self-representation. When I started to go to Chocó, the question of what can I do for them was like, what can I do for me? We go there for solidarity, for helping people, and then what are you doing for you? Or you have the possibility to move to everywhere. What are you doing for you being here? I think this idea of putting the body is something that reminds us always what kind of position I have, never going to be in the foot of everyone. This is very nice, what empathy sounds, but really no. 
And look at what is happening now in Amazonia. All this COVID spread probably came for all these people that goes NGOs, people from Brazil moving from borders. It's also exotization of the cultures. It's also a narrative of the COVID that I didn't understand. Don't follow the quarantine or go just for ancestral medicine and don't go for the scientific perspective. Okay, but the indigenous communities in, in Amazonia are totally alone, full of COVID, with no presence of any health system, dying a lot of people. Now, where is our activism attitude regarding the situation in Leticia? You go as an anthropologist to research, and now we are in a very blocking moment. In this moment that many philosophers came with all these ideas, how a future will perform. I also read an article yesterday. It was an European old man. <laughs> I don't remember his name. Wow, Ventura Sosa forgot who wrote first time about gore capitalism. Let's see, how do these intellectual people forgot where is the woman? But this guy that I don't blame because I don't remember his name, say that maybe the question is, in what moment we are now. And I really like that question because it's, let's stay in this moment and what we are facing, what are all these problematic complexity moment that uh, connects everything, made visible what we already have been saying for years, activating also kind of other solidarity networks, ways of organizing, intensifying the debt system. All these things are becoming super visible. It still can paralyze in a way, but the people that has the fortune to think, okay, this is the moment to think where we are, not what is going to be the future, what we didn't in the past, is where we are in this moment, what we can do now. It's a matter of who doesn't have the food, who doesn't have the water, like now our friends in Buenaventura have a problem with the water system in the middle of COVID, as you were saying, and in Venezuela is happening. Everyone is just putting individual responsibility in this moment because of the measures. I think we can still do things together. We cannot save the world in this moment. This is not like a matter of instantaneous thing. Now it will become super important, the affective and affinity networks how to subvert these ideas. Where we are putting the body is super important because all our well intentions now are in inside of the home and we cannot move out. What is our body and our mind is the question as well in this moment. We cannot fly, so what is the pertinence of the work of Mas Arte Mas Acción if we cannot continue at the moment doing the things as we used to do it? Many of art organizations base their activities in public relations cannot do that. So many of them are closing not only because of the economy, but what is the mean of putting everything in the virtual? When I call the people from Chocó to know where are they, is there, we are so worried about you in the city. For me, it's like a very nice statement. We always were worried about them because there is no progress, modernity, access to health and access to education. But with all these things happening in the cities, it's like they are worried about us. We don't have even a way to take a tomato from a plant. You depend on everything. That put me in question. What kind of infrastructure we are creating? Where are our trust as well?
very difficult to talk about Choco from my point of view of being a person inside of Bogota with a lot of ignorance of the territory because actually geographically Choco is super big. We were doing a project years ago with some artists and people from the cultural field in different levels and we were researching about maps of Choco and there is a moment in the history of Colombia, maybe more in the 20th century, that there is no maps of Choco in a period. From the colony it was super well mapped, everyone knows where were the resources, everyone knows where were the indigenous communities, where was the people that you have to deal with. It was seen as a territory of a lot of resources and suddenly disappeared. There is a Spanish writer that has wrote a lot about Chocó. He has been emerged in Chocó from the last 20 years. We call Panama and Colombian Chocó biogeographic region. And he has researched a lot how is see from Colombian position, government, national state point of view, Chocó is like the tierra de nadie, tierra nulus, something like that. Nobody lives there. It's a place we can extract, we can use it and see it only as a resource. But it's a very big amount of land, of territory, where are different kind of indigenous communities, but also when the independence came and also many traditional mining were there from the colony. There are a lot of black communities that came because of that to that region. When the independence came, the black communities start to organize into communities and now they are the owners of the land, no? There is like two figures for these two groups, Resguardos Indígenas, so the indigenous has the ownership of very big part of the land, but also in the 90s there was a very big fight from the black movements in Colombia, the PCN. They won the collective right of the lands. So if they demonstrate how long have been living there, what are the community practices, for sure, it's a very heavy thing. You to go to the state to say, I'm a black person, it's very crazy. Francia Marquez also has an anecdote in Popayan trying to say to a jurado or a juez, something like that, that she's black woman. Really, I have to justify to you that I'm a black woman, okay. And I'm a black community to receive this right of being the owners of the collective lands. I think even the left parties haven't reached something like that. Collective ownership of the land for a very concrete struggle, for me is the most amazing achievement of the black movement in Colombia. Sometimes the people don't recognize that because it's the people that lives there, but this is what maybe an utopia thing can look. This material thing for me is they are the owners of the land. And that's a point that is super reflected in Chocolate. There are many community councillors. They have autonomy of what kind of things can happen there. That's why Choco is a very resistant place to learn because collective ownership of the land, where many of the resources are, so the government has to made a lot of bureaucracy to the mega projects can go there because it has to be a communal decision to do extractivism. So that's why all this systematic killing is there. The conflict is super heavy there because there is a lot of pressure from the center to those kind of territories. That does permit other ways of organizing, other ways to see the world, other ways to build a world. There is like a utopian project. There are many utopian projects. We said Chocó, but Atrato River, that is one of the places where we are working, it starts from Antioquia and 
Also, goes to the Caribe. Choco is considered in Pacific. It's like a very crazy geography because of the nature, because of the geography, because of the mixture between indigenous and whites and black communities. All of them has different visions of how well-being looks. And it's super amazing that people can decide how is that well-being. In the capital of Choco, in Quibdó, there is a way of living that is totally different than Nuki that is on the coast where we work. Actually, there are tensions on how the view of Choco or this aspiration of the democratic system that Choco is one thing. For example, we are now fighting against the intention of building a port on the coast where we are located. There is a big mega project proposed by the government to do a port for increasing the economy and those things that can pass by the communities that have dedicated the last 30 years in conservation, in artisanal fishing, ecotourism, conservation of the mangroves. There are a lot of strategies of ways of organizing that or managing the territory that is not homogenic with the vision of the people in Kibdo, in the capital, that is not the same of the vision of the people in Chocó, in the north or in the south. That's the different ways of seeing the territory, but also in relation of this national spirit is totally different. Now the COVID is more intense there, but there are also other communities that are isolated in community. What is happening now in the capital is this kind of structural violence, inequalities flourishing so much because the health system in Kibdo sucks. The intensive care system in Chocó, it doesn't exist at all but they never has to face this kind of disease. There are a lot of dengue, a lot of malaria. The government never have taken care of that. So now we see all this collapse into the system and always go to intensify the inequalities that we are living in Colombia. Like in Chocó, there is no way to sustain a pandemia there. All the people working in formal work, they have to go out to survive. And there is no a system of aids or moving quickly to support them. Let's try to do it by community action because there is no way that the state is going to answer or to help that. It's very heavy at the moment because also with the lockdown start, we call our friends uh, that lives in the river and are facing the illegal mining into the river and they said, these people is doing it. The paramilitarism is here, the minings are working. Yeah, it's the pandemic, but this is worse. This is totally worse for us to be in pandemia with these people aside. The reality in the territories in Colombia is ambiguity and it's complexity as well. Somehow many of them are in community, but, uh, but in other ways like just resisting or creating these other ways of living is also is an amenaza for the government. For example, we can be in this moment challenging normality by virtual, but for us has been super difficult to reach the people that we work there through digital or virtual modes because there is no access, at least in Nuki, in, in Kibdo is better, but it's not the best. In Nuki, it's almost impossible to have like a virtual call like this. If the internet connection works, you have to stop the camera, for sure many cuts. Actually, we did a talk 
that is on Facebook, as you can see, is in the um, Facebook of Museo Arte Moderno de Bogotá. We were talking about the port and other visions of development. I invite Carmenza, Lucho Perea, Karina. They are in the coast. And it's very impossible to talk because the cuts of the internet are totally heavy. But I said like, okay, you call this normality. Assume that these people doesn't have internet connection. You want to see the talk, you have to sustain that you are not going to understand everything because the internet connection sucks. If you really want to listen, let's try to the effort. Like there is no access, so let's not try to do the perfect streaming. Let's figure out how to and push that. If we really are going to assume that this kind of normality is going to be, let's put the infrastructure for everyone to access. Because if not, what is the new normality if it's still in different levels for different peoples? How to connect? We realize that we haven't built that kind of in a deep way relation with the locals in order to say, okay, you assume these tasks and you can continue doing the thing there without us. Very interdependent thing, but still there is no capacity for the people to, okay, I don't have the camera, I don't have the good computer to edit. If we want to continue a conversation, we have to provide not only a space for talking, but tools, infrastructure. That is questioning a lot how to continue and actually we don't know when we can come back there. There are many NGOs that at the moment are stopping and with this tension of the port, it's very difficult to maintain the activities we wanted to do there without us there. And it's also a very heavy moment for activism, for all these projects of conservation, but also a very interesting moment. If we are not there, what is going to happen? This kind of projects can sustain by themselves. It's like a question of how sustainability looks, not only regarding money or funding, it's regarding what is the real work we are doing. If the projects are not really embedded into the territories, the projects are going to fail anyway when we leave. This is like the question of sustainability and what to sustain and how to sustain together, no? Because we can sustain a project, but if we cannot sustain as an ecosystem, people working there, people working here, mixing resources, what is NGOization of this territory if happen these kind of things and all the things collapse, so there are no real work. So that's for me a very important moment to rethink ways of working as well. In the case of Mas Arte Mas Acción, we are working in a post-production of six short films and one future film that we produce between Nuki and Buenaventura, and all the project is going to virtual. It is an intense program virtually with two chores, working in edition, asynchronic, synchronic sessions. And we couldn't do it because in Buenaventura, even though there are a lot of inequalities, at least there are a minimal connection to access to computers, but it doesn't happen with our friends in Nuki. That is also part of this big Pacific, to see that the inequalities are in different levels on the Pacific coast, on the Pacific region and also question me a lot how we relate to them to really have the place for working together because it's not just one direction work, no? Like now, if they don't respond, doesn't have any sense what we do. It's interesting that now we are working in this post-production project virtually and it's in a way working well, but it's sad that the people from Nuki cannot access. There is no internet connection, there is no infrastructure to sustain a conversation. So that's a very sad thing. We didn't realize actually how to move in that way and show that going to virtual 
ways of working is going to also increase a lot of inequalities if we don't move into that kind of infrastructure needing for everyone. this time question me a lot what I understand from feminism because for example there was like the highlights of our lesbian mayor in Bogota that is an achievement and those things actually Bogota was if I'm not grown maybe I'm grown but this progressive capital with a measure that decide one day woman go out and man go out in a very heavy moment in where identity is delivered to the police to decide who is woman and who is a man. I really don't get the point of our mayor putting this measure that really I'm super concerned and actually we face for sure brutal police violence for the transgender people, the trans woman, also the sexual workers. All these measures remain in the hands of the police who are controlling now the streets. What was the achievement of the feminism having this mayor at the moment if she put this kind of measure? We were listening the news from Peru that put this measure and actually the president said we have to take out this measure because no, we failed, that's not a way of treating this. I don't know the rates, the feminicides increase during this period. They are calling like kind of collateral results of the measures. The feminist now is having a lot of debates because of many of the things that are happening in the current situation with the pandemic, with the feminicides, but also with the Me Too that is now in Colombia, like a new or reborn in this debate. There is a podcast called Woman's Planning that is like a feminist perspective of different things. There was a philosopher, Marta Lucia Rivera. She works a lot in bioethics, this kind of things, related more to Haraway's uh, positions and other philosophers. She wanted to point out like questions. This moment and the measures that we are living as a woman bodies and those things, what are the objectives? Because the media said that is COVID and is to take care of us, but she put three questions. There are three of totally different objectives that even that sounds accurate to the moment are totally different definitions and has totally different goals. So she put one question that was, if the measures wanted to save lives or if the measures wanted to avoid deaths or if the measures wanted to the health system not to collapse. The three things are totally different. Because if we are talking about deaths and safe lives, maybe being inside home with your abuser, maybe it's not a way to save lives and to avoid deaths. Maybe the questions of how individual responsibility is addressing now the goal of not having people sick in the health system is not addressing really the objective of not have or avoid the deaths. No? So are like a feminist questions that maybe we don't have in the current and the daily life because the media is saying that how many deaths of COVID, but then what happened with all the people that is dying because of diabetes or what are the people that is dying because of the dengue? When COVID arrives, people were dying because of dengue. No one says how these kind of measures are affecting 
in different levels also and how also the politics of the debt is still there like now the fiscales all the justice system is just avoiding the systematic killing of the social leaders and territorial leaders we are now trying to avoid that no one is doing or no one in the government is doing something to change that reality because covid is being the perfect telon to hide the structural things Philosophers came and were translated very quickly. That is like something that we struggle a lot is we also wanted other people access to the kind of position thinking and ways of doing here in Latin America. And translation is kind of issue. Like we really would like to communicate with the Middle East, with Africa, even Europe. So we need the things in Colombia can be translated. Quick response into this kind of article. We do a lot of that with friends actually during these days trying to translate things into English and trying to do our best effort on the reading groups. Okay, I need to access to this, so let's translate it. Even things in English, but other kind of things. We decided Más Arte Más Acción not to go for public events or virtual things. We went to more a position of study groups, like the things that we cannot do it physically and we are going to take advantage digitally let's try to do it this virtual mood in more study groups and reading groups and they are closed for the people that participate to really have a conversation it's not a matter of how what, what amount of audience we have we have a seminar also with Regina de Miguel, Aline Hernandez from Mexico, and filmmakers from here in Colombia that also met Regina in the last year. And we are working in fiction and feminism, and there is this struggle with translation language, but certainly someone said, I can translate for everyone with five pages, I can do my effort, and our local translations of things and also interpretations of the things, we are collaborating too much in that because we need all kind of references for creating our feminist background and I do also effort in translating some things that are produced by black women. In Chocó, for example, I'm translating now two articles, an uh, interview of Francia Marquez and the last text she wrote, because I really would like that my friends that I'm talking to them in Africa, in Europe, can access to this kind of thinking. Really, we need to move faster. Rita Segato that I don't follow her because really I think she has a lot of problems. But she was saying that this is the narrative war. In the middle of a pandemic, you are saying that we are in a narrative war. This is your issue with the intellectual people, with the philosophers, but we are just dealing with the daily life to not get sick and to have access to food and basic needs. So your narrative war can remind there. A reference for me the last few years very important has been Leonor Silvestri. She's an Argentinian philosopher, thinker, anarchist, like a mix of things. She's trying to push all these boxes of feminism, but she said, like, feminism is gone. This is not anymore our issue. This is like the pinkwashing thing, the discussion of these philosophers that are fighting because of the narratives. We have to create other ways. It's not becoming a tool in this moment because now everything is feminism and has to be the same way, so let's discuss. She's not against feminism, I know, but it's like a provocation she's doing. Okay, we say no to babies, we say yes to abortion, but I cannot say that to a black community woman. 
we are realizing how the genocide is coming and for us to burn more black people is a strategy as well of survival so don't tell me that abortion is for everyone and maybe for whites but <laughs> all the things that are complex and ambiguity has to be seen a specific answer for a specific situations is the only way to do it now to try to homogenize the answers the questions It's also a way of clean or to clear the panorama in just one view and how, I don't know, reparation when we have been abused or punitive ways of addressing all the oppressions we have lived as a woman. What can I do if a raper goes to the jail, if I don't believe in the jails? All these complexities that are flourishing that also black communities, feminists said, like, I don't want to continue growing the amount of black people in the jails because we have structural violence also against the woman inside of the communities. So how we deal with these specific answers for this to not continue feeding the capitalism is entangled questions that we have to solve with specific answers. When I read all these philosophers, I see, okay, I can take this part, I can take this other, but the work is in the place with the current situation, with the people that is standing up with you, otherwise it's just fiction. There was a question you wrote me regarding you know, how also we react as a community and something that for me is very important to mention. I just see my notes and realize I didn't talk anywhere about that and it's like I'm part of different collectives. <laughs> Two of them are based on radio so it's very amazing to be doing this podcast. That actually was the most quick network that started to work with the pandemic. We have a free server, we quickly move into a WhatsApp group, we quickly move into tutorials, who needs the server, who needs to transmit from where, and teaching each other during the first weeks of the pandemic and producing a lot of programs reflecting the actual situation. The listeners are our community. It was a way of being together, like people that is in Cali, people that is in Buenaventura, in Bogotá, in Medellín, some people that is outside also, ah, I would like to do a program based on what is happening here in Spain because I get here stuck. It was a moment of flourishing, a lot of conversations through radio and still the tool is now working by itself. Radio Libra, that is the free server that we work, become like a temporary, it is, it's still a school, but it was like a very intense temporary school the two weeks for learning how to stream, how to broadcast, how to organize the mixer, the microphone, the levels, the internet, and those things, and talking about the situation, how you were dealing, how are your supply chain, uh, how is the feminicide moment, the prisons in United States and Mexico also, like connecting all these questions. It was an action of being together and reflecting in the present based on what all the collectives were doing at that moment. We were mapping with a collective that I'm part, that is Mutola Radio, and suddenly all these radios also feel the need to be together, to share contents, to see how they are working in different communities. That's one thing that also maintain speculation more than speculative. All the speculations around how the philosophers were saying, what is the position of blah, blah, blah. It was like, a, okay, this is like the basic words 
that we are having of how to address this moment and how to see the future and how to questioning what could happen and how we can continue being together. When George Floyd thing happens, even that all of the black communities stand up and make that moment visible for them here in Colombia. There was also from the feminist black communities groups saying, okay, we just have Anderson Arbelaez that has to go out and a police kill him brutally. He didn't die in the moment in the street, but one hour after in the hospital. And no one talks about that. So why still this North thing, that United States thing, Afro-American, we didn't say that we don't have empathy with that, but what happened just in front of our face? What happened with this guy that also was killed brutally by the police in Colombia, in the neighborhood in Cali? Never the media goes to see what is happening there. So there was like a very intense moment of how looks the different resistance. For sure, there was an impulse from the black communities here to rise again in the middle of the pandemia, the structural racism in Colombia. Let's see, Buenaventura and Quibdó and Chocó and Cauca doesn't have health system, doesn't have education, doesn't have water. How can we survive in this COVID? So also this open up a box, but still with the specificities of the questions of Colombia, no? And also problematizing a lot what is happening in the north or in other places. So I think these two things in terms of aesthetics of struggles that are not the same, they could look like, but still they are totally different. A tool as a radio become super important actually on Friday. The radio is moving to the district, the neighborhood that was killed Anderson to do live actions in radio, to support the community, to put the tools for the people can talk, to be in solidarity in what we can do, which is radio, which is audiovisual projects, which is canalizing funds. Something that happens in terms of solidarity inside of Masarte Masaccion is that Masarte Masaccion is part of Arts Collaboratory Network. Quickly, our comrades from Africa and Middle East and Latin America said, okay, we have a collective pot, we have an amount of money that we receive for collaborative projects. We this year are not going to go to anywhere. So let's put this money into the ecosystem. For us, it's a big amount, but it was like a 5,000 euros into the ecosystem. It counts like a 120,000 euros that we split into respond into what you need. Food, rain, hell, tell me, and we just deliver it without any open call or basic morning, how are you, how you feel. We remind some money that now the people is starting to get sick because of COVID and those things, so we can respond quickly to basic needs based on that fund that we decide collectively how to spread it. We are not going to do exhibitions, we are not going to do international residencies, let's put this money where it's needed. And I'm super happy that was like a consensus quickly and not like, oh, but let's wait for the future. No, the money is there, put it where it's needed actions that now we are reflecting. We are behaving as a funder, what means that we did it, it was needed to do it, to move it, and now thinking how do we do this delivery? Others make an open call, 
this is a common pot, let's think together how to distribute it. It is a very nice opportunity to rethink about distribution. So there are many narratives of how this money was split <laughs> and distributed. And now we are reflecting on how we did that and what are the tools, what was well, what was not, because it's heavy to put us also in a position of I'm going to give money. It's difficult place who has the money and why we have that money is again questions that put us but okay in that moment we just thought that we were a tool to canalize this money to the places that is needed and then to realize that the one of the conflicts was these needs always has been there so now the crisis give us the chance to put the money in there is good but the inequalities is still there and we just have this money for two or three months let's think on sustainability beyond this because we don't have this common pot all the time. Promise No Promises is a podcast series produced by the Women's Center for Excellence, a research project between the Art Institute at the FHNW Academy of Art and Design in Basel and the Institut Usuche, a joint venture with Grajina Kultik and Art Stations Foundation CH. The Women's Center for Excellence is conceived as a think tank tasked to assess, develop and propose new social languages and methods to understand the role of women in the arts, culture, science and technology, as well as in all fields of knowledge that are interconnected with the field of culture today. If you're interested to get more information about further podcasts and events related to this project, please go to our website, institut-kunst.ch, that's institut-kunst.ch, or request information or subscription to our newsletter at info.kunst.ch. .hgk at fhnw.ch. That's info.kunst.hgk at fhnw.ch. Instituto Sush is part of Museum Sush, an initiative by Art Stations Foundation Switzerland and Grajina Kulcik. More information on museumsush.ch. That's museumsush.ch. Recording and editing, Sonia Fernandez-Pan. Voiceover and final editing, Elena Ziza. Music, Stephen McAvoy. Research team, Alice Wilke and Marion Ritzmann. Technical support, Esther Hunziger, Konrad Siegel and Chris Handberg. Press and communication, Anna Franke. Promise No Promises is produced by the Art Institute, HDK, FHNW in Basel, Institut Usuche, Art Stations Foundation CH and Grajina Kulcik 2020.